Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Synapse, Think Tank of the Air, featuring influencers, creatives, and top leaders in the Twin Cities. And now, here is our host, Steve LeBall. And welcome to Synapse Think Tank of the Air. I'm Steve LeBeau, your host. We have very fashionable people in uh, multiple senses here that uh, we're t- going to be entering the world of fashion, of, for which I feel like an alien from another planet, but we're going to go fashion-wise. Let's start where you have here uh, John Peliquin, who's the uh, organizer, I guess the head honcho organizer of Minnesota Fashion Week, Fashion Week Minnesota. Is that yeah, right? Um, I'm the co-founder of Fashion Week Minnesota, along with us, Sarah Edwards. And we founded Fashion Week MN uh, about three and a half years ago uh, as a platform to help promote the different fashion brands, designers, and uh, fashion makers in the Twin Cities and all the work that they're doing and help bring that, um, bring greater awareness to that. So that we can go beyond being a world of uh, jeans and uh, uh, down coats, trying to get beyond that Minnesota normal. Yeah, and, and just, you know, the idea of supporting local fashion and the different, you know, all the amazing local designers and brands that we have here, instead of, uh, you know, just shopping at the mall, like, let's support some local businesses. Right. Some originality. And we have some original people here, born all on their own. We have Karen Morris, who's from Hong Kong, I understand. Mm-hmm. And you're a milliner. Yes. yes. What's a milliner? <laughs> Hi, um, so I my name is Karen Morris, and um, uh, my brand is Karen Morris Millinery. For the um, millinery means um, making uh, ladies' hat. Only. Oh, yes, just, just ladies' just lady. hats. Yes. So you yeah. didn't wear it, make the ball cap that uh, Houston was wearing. <laughs> uh, yeah, you so. can go. Uh, I mean, that we call uh, haberdashery. Oh, yes, hey. for men's hat. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to expand our vocabulary here. We yeah. got millinery down. That's ladies' hats, and then we're going to go to Houston White who um, is wearing a little bit of haberdashery on his head. Yeah, so, so my name is Houston White. I'm a kid from North Minneapolis. Um, and I always say fashion started for me in the halls of North Highway. I mean, <laughs> North High School, not the highway. The, <laughs> the, the hallway. The, the whole, hallway, the hallway. That, that school was see, I, I think you're thinking of runway. Yeah, yeah. I, you the, know, the, the hallway um, was a runway for you. The hallway was a runway. Um, there were a lot of folks who uh, shied away from coming to that school because, you know, Friends could be harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, now as a designer, years later, I'm reminded of all the young urban kids who walk up and down the streets. Those those blocks are runways. And so mm. I, I draw a lot of inspiration from what they're wearing um, and try to show them that they are culture. Um, and how can we take things that they're wearing and elevate them um, in, a, in, a, in a grander sense? Hmm. I was going to say elevator fashion, but that's not what you meant. Eh, nah. I like the, the music, the right? It's not so cool. That's great. <laughs> well, if, if there was any one thing that kind of a uh, little story or whatever that turned you toward a life of fashion consciousness, w- what was that? Um, 
You know, I, I think it's the importance of self-expression. Um, and, you know, I own a barbershop in the inner city, and so I see a lot of times uh, urban kids don't necessarily own um, what they're wearing. You know, they, they look outward instead of inward. What do you mean? Um, so, you know, I grew up in the 90s, and there were a lot of brands that were kind of Eurocentric in nature, sort of like, you know, Polo and Tommy Hilfiger. And these brands exploded because of urban culture because of LL Cool J and all these rappers who were wearing this stuff. And so at that time, in my opinion, there should have been brands who that emanated from the culture from which it just expanded them immensely. So for me, it's like I wanted to create a brand that was very urban, that, that, that literally a kid can go back and trace the origin story to North High, mm-hmm. to my aunt's basement on 8th and Logan, to growing up when it was called Murderapolis, but still finding some good in that and building on that. So mm-hmm. to really have a unique brand story um, and that the you know people from where I'm from can identify with what they're wearing. Mm-hmm. And do you give haircuts? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's part of fashion. We always joke and say if most guys from the urban sector could choose a haircut or a new T-shirt, they choose a haircut because the way your haircut makes you look fresher than a raggedy haircut with a nice new T-shirt. So they all kind of <laughs> combine. They work together, you know. But then uh, haircuts, if you put a hat on, it covers it all up. Uh, uh, Karen, why do you want to cover people's heads? Is that a statement? Well, actually, I think um, hacks uh, has have been uh, a long history already, you know. So just uh, enter to the 70s and people just stop uh, wearing the hacks, you know. And I think um, hat is a kind of a, uh, represent your character, you know. So and so that's why I think um, we should wear more hats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of fun to wear hats. I mean, we, we had uh, one of those royal weddings a few months ago. Yeah. And there was nothing but hats. And then the queen has this huge hat, and, and it's it becomes the focus of attention, you know, the, the hats. I mean, usually... When there's kind of celebrities around, you look at their their the dress Just, for yeah. the for the women, and and uh, you don't even look at the men unless they have a, a wildly colored tuxedo on. Oh, but those hats, wow! Did you do you make any? Did any of the hats you make uh, go to London? Uh not in the world wedding, but uh, I'm I make a hat for uh, Rebel Wilson in the billboard uh, uh, ceremony. Oh, Rebel, Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson, yeah. Wow. For the yeah. Billboard. Was it the Billboard Awards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other one is um, I sent a few hacks uh, to uh, Harbour Bazaar uh, for Nicki Minaj to wear. Wow. And for the, yeah, uh, for now, the Nicki Minaj, conference. I've heard of her. <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah, she's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so so you've had a little touch of, of celebrity there. Uh, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Huh. Now, I hate to say this, but you're not wearing a hat right now. Uh, well, because today is too windy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it is. <laughs> okay. So there's still, I thought they had pins or something to put on in that case. But but maybe not. <laughs> well, 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 Jana, how did you get to be like a, a co-founder of a Fashion Week in Minnesota, of all places? Oh, well, the last uh, 10 years, I have just been very involved with um, the local fashion community as a stylist and also as a writer. Um, I've written for publications including uh, Minnesota Monthly, Star Tribune, uh, Vitamin, which was a production of Star Tribune uh, that closed a few years ago. All right. 
um, and just been involved uh, with the earlier iteration of Fashion Week, which um, existed, you know, years before um, 2008, 9, 10, around there. And, uh, you know, we just had been talking with uh, Sarah Edwards, um, who's a local stylist and producer in town. And she, you know, we were just like this, there's so much great stuff going on. And we hear people saying there's no local fashion here. And Mm. we said, yes, there is. And we need to make a big statement of that and let's get everyone together and get them on a calendar and make a big noise with it. So that's what we did. Hmm. I think it was Oscar Wilde or, or one of those witty fellows that said, fashion is something that's so terrible it has to be changed every year. You know, It, it comes and goes. But we do have the sense that fa- fashion is kind of a transient thing because you do have every fall and every spring there's a new set of things. It's like, gee, what's wrong with the old ones? What, why, do, why does fashion change? I mean, that's the sense of, of you've got to be in it with it now or, oh, those shoes are so last year. I mean, I think we can all have our own, you know, answer to this, but I think, you know, fashion for me and I think for a lot of people, it's a personal expression. And, you know, I hope most people are always constantly changing and we're always evolving. And changing, since, changing clothes. And so because we want to express that evolution and, you know, we don't want to stay the same. You know, there's always something new, what's new, what's exciting. You put something new on and exciting and you get excited. You know, you feel really good about what you're wearing. And hmm. yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and I think about the artistry of it as well. Mm-hmm. It's so, you know, the artist is always kind of inspired and you create something new. Um, and if you have, fo- I mean, it's kind of why do they make new movies every year, right? And yeah, you don't want to watch the same old <laughs> They're ones. iterations right. of, of, of the same exactly. thing, you know. Um, but the colors change. I mean, color palettes are always changing and you could have something that was very muted and now we want a very, you know, vibrant kind of backdrop. And so some of it is just very nuanced, simple changes, but they mean a lot to the end user. Hmm. Well, there's some organization that picks the color for the year. Pantone. 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 Pantone, yeah. yeah. Now, I imagine, you know, God up there saying, okay, this shall be the color. I mean, <laughs> why does everybody agree? Or don't they? I don't, I don't think we well, do. Well, I don't think we do, actually. They, they, they show the, uh, about 10 colors of this year, you know, or each season they show 10 colors. You know, they think uh, it is good for that season. But most of the time, um, it really depends on the designer's feeling and the creation, hmm. you know. So uh, we it is no need to follow their uh, guidelines. You it's know. not a law. It's not a law. <laughs> it's a promotional campaign could, to promote Pantone is what it is. So. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. they're the, known as the, the kind of the king color makers for, for the year. Uh, but nevertheless, do a lot of people follow those colors? I mean, even though you might reject them, you don't have to follow them. Does it become dominant? Well, I, I'd say some of the bigger brands occasionally yes. do. Because, you know, they, they want to stay tight to the vest to well, make sure they're, you know, on trend. And I'll say most, you know, designer lines, they've, they've planned their lines out for the, you know, the year before. Mm. And so by the time they've already designed it and it's already been on the runway, you know, it's not going to affect that choice because that's already happened. Okay. Because the, the, the very timeline of, of conception, design, production, and then performance on the runway, mm-hmm. that takes how long? What, what a year? Um. More than a year, I would More say. I think so, yeah. And actually, I think uh, when Pantone uh, announced those uh, colors uh, of the season, basically they uh, 
did a lot of research. They have somebody to go to the uh, fashion show, you know, and see each designer, what car they use. So it could be the designers are influencing Pantone's yes, decision. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, well, that makes more sense. I feel better now. <laughs> and, and Houston, that's a good point. It's, it's uh, The artists are always creating new things because, let's face it, life changes. And so there's always something new going on in the world. There is. I mean, last year there was a big, um, you know, fashion and social consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw it a lot on the runway, uh, mm-hmm. signage. Um, one of my favorite designers, uh, Brooklyn, well, brands, Brooklyn Circus, they just released a new line called Criminal Minded. And they took their their um, influence from, you know, Tupac and some mm-hmm. of the early, um, you know, chain gang. They use a lot of stripes and a lot of oranges to kind of talk about mass incarceration of men of color. You know, so it, it's one of those you, you get every year someone – you know, using whatever feeling or whatever they, whatever they want to emote um, on the runway. And it now, more than ever, it's very social. Um, folks are really trying to make a statement with the collections that they're creating. Well, it used to be, I mean, I used to cover the arts years ago, and there'd be some big political happening, and I'd ask an actor, and they'd say, well, no, I'm, I'm only an actor. I don't think about any political things, and I won't comment. And now, you're right, it's, it's getting all jumbled up because... You have to, kind of. There, yeah. Social issues are affecting everybody. Everybody. I mean, art imitates life. Um, and more and more, the things that you wear matter. Um, where the money is going, where the fabrics come from, the meals that, that the you know folks who are making these garments are working in. Local is huge right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the more local you can create. Right. Um, it, I, I remember when you could only buy big brands of beer if you wanted something different you'd have to buy a foreign label and now they have all the craft brews so you're like the craft brew (laughs) (laughs) for the fashion industry right Mm -hmm. so well and and craft that's actually a part of it you need people to make these things too Mm -hmm. right there's a craft involved with it and i think kevin can really speak to that too Um, (laughs) because you are crafting everything yeah so basically um all my hacks are is my own design they are my own design and i handmade each of them and yeah, so I bought all the fabric and then used the, um, I have a head form in wood, so I just steam it and then make it into the shape. How yeah. did you start? How did where, where, How I start? Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, when I was young, I was three years old, I always wanted to be a, a designer. And every- At three? <laughs> yes. Oh, come on. What because- do you- these blocks, I don't like stacking these blocks. I need better blocks. <laughs> no, I mean, at that point, I wasn't thinking about to be a milliner. I want to be a designer because my mom likes shopping. Oh. <laughs> and dress me up, you know. So that's why I love fashion very much. <laughs> and then, um, so, unfortunately, I cannot uh, draw uh, my idea uh, into 2D. So you, you, can't, you can't draw it out. I can't draw it out. I, I can think about it, but I can't so, draw it. So how do you get your idea on, uh, how do you communicate your idea? So right now, it's all in my mind, and then I just, um, um, I mean, make the hacks by ex- experiments. Oh, so you actually go right to the head and, and skip the sketch? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so, yeah, so, and then, um, so when I was growing up and I have low, low, 
uh, opportunity to learn uh, fashion design until I met my husband and oh. he, he brought me to uh, Royal Ascot um, in England. So that is uh, another like uh, Kentucky Derby version. Oh, the big racetrack. Yes. Uh, and that's known for being very fancy and fashionable, right? Yes. Yes. So uh, the Queen uh, go, uh, went to the Royal Ascot every day and people guess what color of uh, bedding, what color she wear today, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so, and then at that point, I'm thinking, well, maybe I can make my dreams come true. So hmm. I try to, yeah, learn from different learners in um, England and Australia. Boy, so you had a lot of good influences, uh, global influences. That's that's happening to the Twin Cities now. I mean, it's we've always had some global connections, and that seems to have multiplied a lot, whether it's through uh, business transactions or uh, immigrants or, or, or refugees. There's so much... Mm-hmm. Uh, international presence in the Twin Cities, that must bring lots of ideas for you guys. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I agree, yeah. So, I mean, like me, I like uh, the Orient um, elements, you know, and so I I just put the elements in, in my head design. Hmm. So, Jana, have you seen a change in greater social consciousness and, and a greater global influence in the years that you've been involved in fashion? I think especially in the last couple of years, you know, in the beginning, it was really just about fashion and wearing, you know, fun things and wearing, you know, shopping local, supporting local designers. But yeah, it's definitely, um, I think what Fashion Week has tried to do is try to hold up a mirror to what is happening in the Twin Cities fashion scene and just respond to that. So either people are reaching out to us to be part of the lineup or we are seeing great work that other people are doing and we say, you know, we invite them to be part of it. And just keeping our eye out for what's happening, I think you can really see with how the lineup has just expanded and become more inclusive and more diverse um, as we're connecting more and more with people throughout the community. Um, and there's there's actually one designer that comes to mind, Aisha Umar. Um, her line is Fullback Closet. And she's, uh, I believe, from Nigeria. And she's showing a line um, as part of Fashion Week on uh, Monday. I believe it's the 24th. Right, because we're talking so, yeah. we're talking Fashion Week. What, yes. what are the dates for Fashion Week? It's the uh, officially the twenty third through the 29th um, of of September. Of September. Okay. And there are a couple events, kind of a little bit outside of that boundary. Um, the kickoff events on the twentieth at the mm-hmm. at the W, and um, several other events throughout um, within that time span. Well, I bet it gives people a chance to dress up to go to these openings, right? Exactly. Yes. So that's that's kind of the the. Um, I'll do this quickly, but in, in, in my lifetime, uh, I was in football in high school, and there was something about getting your uh, all your equipment on and your helmet and your shoes, and, <laughs> and you just felt ready. You just went out there and you felt ready. And I assume that's what fashion is. At, at some point, you, you dress up, you put on the right hat and the right clothes, and, and you feel ready to go out there and, and socialize in the world. Is, it, is there a sense of that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a uniform. I always say the wardrobe of an era reflects the times and the participants therein. So every era has a uniform. Hmm. You know, from the 60s, there's a very similar uniform in every other decade. And so it's like these clothes, like the music, kind of define the times in which we live, mm-hmm. which is the importance of fashion to me. Hmm. Well, talking about the importance of fashion, and then in Minnesota, you have people like me that don't always stick with the, the trends, but we'll find out more about that when we return here on Synapse Think Tank of the Year. 
Synapse, Think Tank of the Air. We'll be back in a moment. And we're back talking about fashion here in Minnesota, which almost sounds like a contradiction in terms, you know, fashion in Minnesota. And I, I think that the the overwhelming, you know, uh, uh, mainstream population is very conservative here. I mean, Minnesota, I think a lot of people think that they're so liberal, but I don't think they're liberal when it comes to displaying themselves because the old uh, the Lutheran attitude, well, you don't want to show off. You don't want to stand out. But fashion, that's all about, you know, strutting and, and kind of showing off and, and um, like you say, self-expression. Yeah, it is. You know, I'm a minimalist by nature, right? So so sometimes um, the, the blue blazer, the white shirt, and the right jeans and penny loafers is very chic. And it just it, it's not necessarily what you wear, it's how you wear it. Um, so to, to your point, I mean, there are a lot of Minnesota does strike me as being very conservative. Even some of the buyers, there's some brands that we just don't buy here in department stores because you just can't turn it. Because by and large, I think that is true. When I go out to New York City, gosh, the 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 rail the the train is like a runway. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw some of the most interesting stuff just riding the D train, right? Like. Um, and sometimes I wish Minnesota would be a little, and I, I shouldn't say that because there are a lot of folks, if you're in the fashion scene, who are very creative in the way they put things together. But you don't typically walk downtown Minneapolis and <laughs> see a whole lot of it. Mm-hmm. Well, no, well, like I say, sometimes it sticks out. But um, uh, I should mention here we're talking with uh, Houston White, who's uh, kind of an entrepreneur. You got a barber shop and a, and a store, and plus you design things, right? Sure. So, and we're here with uh, Karen Morris, who's a millinery or millinist. Ah, uh, for how do you call milliner. it? Yeah. Milliner. milliner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Miller, a milliner. Okay, she's a <laughs> yeah. She's a women's hat maker. And then we have uh, Jana Peliquin, who's a co-founder and uh, co-artistic director, I presume. Some some fancy title like that for uh, Fashion Week Minnesota, which comes in uh, latter part of September. Um, the talking about. Uh, Minnesota is 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 not quite the the fashion scene as as compared to New York, but I think it's changed a lot even in the last couple decades. Is to to what extent is there kind of a fashion crowd in Minnesota? But, but just just for comparison, in terms of theater, I think there are more theaters per capita in Minnesota than any place but New York. So it's something like that. But is fashion on par with that? I mean, I think we have like our own unique uh, communities. If you go to any of these events throughout the course of Fashion Week, we have 25 events. You will see people that have really unique, different style and, you know, enjoy getting dressed and enjoy dressing up for these types of events and just in their everyday lives, too. So um, it's just like anything else. It's this it's a certain group of people, but they're going to be um, showing their personal style. And um, it's really, truly unique to Minnesota, Minneapolis, I think. It's um, pretty eclectic. I think people kind of wear, you know, show off their individuality here a little, maybe more than the coasts. Um, we, I think it's pretty, it's a pretty interesting mix of people. Say that again, we show off our individuality more than the coasts. I think, personally, I think that, um, you know, we, we're not New York, we're not LA. And you think of New York fashion as this very, 
you know, stark, bold, strong kind of look. And L.A. is very laid back. I think Minnesota is somewhere, you know, in between that. And I think we're constantly redefining what that is. So, Well, it's, it's good to know that there's a strong fashion element because, uh, well, just to spice things up, if nothing else, I mean, to make the, the place more interesting. Yeah, and I think Minnesota is um, is going up. It's not um, as a mature market like New York or LA, you know. And I think just Minnesota got a history of farming. You know, people are more conservative. You know, and um, yeah, but bib overalls and then the, uh, <laughs> your yes. hat from some tractor manufacturer. Yeah, but I think because of the um, uh, information, uh, we I mean. More, more youngsters got more information from the internet, from social media, you know, and uh, we see more stuff uh, from around the world. And they, I mean, a lot of youngsters, I mean, they are trying to dress up now. Yeah. So I think, I think we are just going up, you know, I can see maybe Minnesota in maybe in 10 years, maybe in other, another New York. Who knows, you know. <laughs> hmm. Well, they, they, we keep trying to do that. I think for a while they're trying to call it the mini apple, you know, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, we're just like New York, but um, uh, or the North Coast. Mm-hmm. We're the North Coast. I kind of think we got our own thing going, though. I, I, you know? I agree. I don't want to be New York. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I really like the vibe in, uh, in Minnesota, uh, and I like the diversity. Um, it's really fun to, you know, be at a, a bar and see so many different types of styles. It, 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 it doesn't come off as inauthentic or trendy. It's just like, mm-hmm. to Jonna's point, it's personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I enjoy it, you know. Um, I, I like it, you know. Hmm. Now, um, I'm just imagining what the, the flow would be for someone making a career in fashion. Is there is there an ideal that, boy, I'm going to, uh, you know, make some sketches, sit in my attic and make some s- sketches and someone's going to pick it up and, and before you know it, I'm selling things all around the world. They're going to be in Target or, you know, some up, upscale store. Is that the dream of fashion or is it not everyone have those big ambitions? Well, I, I, I guess I can speak for myself. Um, my goal is to create an iconic brand. It's a slow, steady process. There's a lot of discovery there's a lot to learn. Um, so someone say, oh, that looks like a Houston White. Yeah. You know, I want I want things to be able to be, you know, to create things that are classic. And, you know, one of my... A, n- a new I, classic. A new classic. I, I, I love khakis. Some folks are like, khakis are so like my dad. Dockers, are you kidding me? <laughs> but I personally want to kind of redefine the khaki, right? And that's a personal thing for me. And I'm, if I get it right... It's something that could be a 20- or 30-year staple. I could get it wrong, and mm. that's okay. Uh, but the explorer in me just tries again, and eventually, and I've had a lot of that. I've had some things I've created that have been very successful, very well-received. Like what? Um, the most, oddly enough, the most successful thing I've ever created is a T-shirt with a simple slogan that says, Black Excellence. Mm. We have that shirt, at, we shipped it to Dubai uh, two weeks ago. Mm. That was the wildest thing ever. Mm. Wow. Um, did they, did like a store ordered a bunch of them? No. Or uh, just on, on our website, we had a Dubai, uh, a Dubai order come in because certain orders oh, don't okay. come in as fraudulent or is this potential 
And I'm looking, and it's like, whoa, that's a Dubai. And multiple shirts, but it was, a, you know, one person, and Floyd Mayweather, he wore our hat. Um, and it's been one of those very simple but out-of-the-park kind of right time, right color, right logo. Because we have multiple logos, but there's a particular black logo that just resonates. You know, it's branding in the sense, like, you know, you see Apple or you see Gap, and that just identifies with with people. Well, black excellence, too, that's a social statement. Oh, very much so. Um, It's how I've always identified. I'm from the South, and excellence just meant that you took pride in who you are. So you're not from the uh, the Twin Cities. I was born in Jackson, Mississippi, but you know okay. I've been here for 33 years, and I. So you're still kind of a still kind of a newcomer, but <laughs> kind of. <laughs> you know, we were having this conversation on social media, but you know, um, I don't know. You know, it's it. it so you carry, I'm, carry I'm, that I'm pride. fascinated because my grandmother used to make hats, and okay. this is like amazing oh, yeah. to me sitting yeah. in in a room with the hat maker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So actually, uh, making hats. I mean, to your question, I I feel like especially my uh, industry is uh, got a very niche market so um not like you so maybe i mean you sell t-shirt design a t-shirt can be self can be so very very well you know but um i mean for the hat um what we need to do is we want to have um some buyer to buy it and then all over the world Okay, just so like a, a big order. Yeah, big order. Otherwise, uh, actually, it's very hard to um, you know cover my you cover all the expenses. You know. So I mean, so when you since you don't draw a design, mm-hmm. so when you make a hat, does that become a model for other hats? And so it's like make a thousand of these. Uh yes. I mean. Of course, uh, not only me make a thousand days. Yeah, that's impossible. Do, but, but you <laughs> that's like it, a sample. Yeah, just yeah. a sample. Yes. So then you have somebody, some factory yeah, a setup. Team, yeah, a team. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. yeah. So that is my um, uh, dream to do that because, uh, as I say, um, you know, head just too niche. You know, lot, lot. Um, you need to create something very special uh, for the people. Can you describe your best-selling hat? Well, my best-selling hat, I think, is the top hat, the mini top hat. Yeah. Mini top hat. Yeah, it's just very small, like maybe uh, half of the, <laughs> the hat, you know. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so mini top hat, because uh, I have a lot of, um, um, when you mention craft, I have a lot of uh, customer. They uh, do costume, and they uh, maybe they work in uh, Renaissance as well. You know, and those top hats, they're their favorite. When the Renaissance Festival, or uh, actually, it's uh, ongoing right now. Um, mm-hmm. Start three weeks ago mm-hmm. until first week of uh, October. So more people Festival. that dress up, kind of costume. Yeah, okay. yeah, Because yeah. uh, think of hats. I think uh, historically, John John F. Kennedy was famous as the first president uh, who didn't wear a hat to his inauguration. And then in the 60s, men stopped wearing hats. And now it's put on as kind of an Indiana Jones or one of those fancy things or like a Humphrey Bogart hat, those kinds. It's, it's, uh, it, it looks kind of cool, and, and I bet you feel cool. Yeah. But it's still not really widespread. Not so much. Uh, I enjoy hats. I mean, my favorite is a newsboy cap. 
you know, 1920s, 30s uh-huh, kind uh-huh. of style. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I see a lot of it in the barbershop where, especially in the fall, where, where you know, guys are wearing different types of hats. It's not the, the common thing that it was years ago. Um, Everybody had to Everyone wear had. Yeah. yeah, and men, actually men love hat more than women. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, they, they just love hat. They, um, um, they will really appreciate uh, the craftsmanship of the hat. Mm. Yeah, so. It feels good. Yes, and they will ask for the, uh, the most uh, good quality, you know, and mm. they don't care about the price, you know, but they just want to have a good hat. Hmm. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. Hmm. I mean, yeah. One of the things that puzzles me, here in Minnesota, I mean, it gets, what, 20 below, and then there's a wind chill for another, drop another 20 degrees off that, and people walk around with no hat. I mean, what is it about they don't want to wear a winter hat? I mean, it's so cold. You lose uh, like 90% of your body heat out of your head. That's one, or, or, or it could even be higher. But why don't people even wear a hat in the winter? Well, I still think as, uh, as we mentioned, uh, I mean, Minnesota fashion still going, you know. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, I think people just, Saw a lot of uh, uh, Minnesotan. They didn't have a hat on. They scared. They they scared to if I wear one, the people think I'm I'm crazy or <laughs> weird or something like that. You know, but um, but you know, is we just let somebody coming out and wear the hat and everybody follow. Be mm-hmm. be more um courage mm-hmm. yeah to wear one and yeah. i say whenever i wear a hat i get so many compliments on it yes and exactly. so you know if more people saw more people wearing hats yeah it would become more normal yeah yeah i totally agree <laughs> and some of it i think is the hair too it's like i don't want to mess my hair uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> or when you don't want to do your hair though then totally. oh, yeah. totally. then you can wear your hat full day you yeah. don't need to take yeah. it off <laughs> Gosh. uh talking here about uh fashion week minnesota with uh jonna peliquin uh, Karen Morris and Houston White. Um, do you think you're having an effect on people? I mean, can you see people wearing your stuff when you go around? Yes. Um, I, I get phone calls all the time or text messages or random sightings from all <laughs> over the country. Like, I saw somebody in your stuff. You know? <laughs> um, which is been part of the strategy for me is the brand and get notoriety. I have some very, to your point, niche stuff that I want yeah. to do. But I think if, when you're trying to create a name for yourself, it's important that people know you. Because yeah. it's like it builds a little bit of brand equity. Mm. Oh, if it's coming from them, it must be. It's very hard to break into the fashion scene mm. in a, in a, in the, from the luxury or very high-end um, price point. Um, just because folks compare you to existing, long-standing designers, and so it, it's been my approach. Not that it's the best; it's just mine. Uh, mm. But yeah, I, a lot of folks call and say, "I've seen your stuff." I saw your hat. <laughs> I saw your shirt. Well, well, Jana, now you you mentioned that that you've written about fashion. Mm-hmm. Have you designed anything yourself? I mean, do you put your put your hands into it? I uh, no, I've, but I've I've enjoyed working with designers uh, as a stylist and that's been um, fun to help kind of interpret 
pieces that they've created. What's a stylist? Um, so I have uh, basically helped create and direct shoots where you know I, I will come up with a concept. And this isn't always the case, um, but I usually have been the one to come up with a concept or collaborate on a concept and help make that come to life with clothing as a big part of it. So there's this dress. So the clothing and accessories. Hat, and you put it all together and to make a scenario. Right, right. And usually there's, you know, several images. So all those, you know, looks, how do they connect with each other? And usually there's, you know, a theme and a story that you're trying to tell. So I, I kind of look at it as storytelling. You know, I, I write and I'm a storyteller in that way, but I've also been a storyteller with fashion. Well, so clothes are like paragraphs for you. You just put them together. Or like words and sentences and sentences, yeah. <laughs> little things. And so makeup would have to be part of that. Um, so that's usually you know it's a makeup artist so, or hairstylist, and I'm not. Well, you know, that's people finely trained people. That but you that, direct but, that. Um, a lot of times I it's usually a collaboration, or I might give you know here's the general, you know vibe we're going for. Here's a story, and let them sort of have their own interpretation of what that is, and you know have their own. Um, contribution to it wow a fashion shoot yeah i mean that's another thing that sounds odd in minnesota uh i can't talk to you right now i'm on my way to a fashion shoot <laughs> i mean there's not a t there's not a ton of it anymore um but you will you know you might see it a lot more online a lot of online publications and social media you're seeing shoots uh, be presented that way not as much in in print anymore um just with you know fewer and fewer publications hmm. Um, but then people are turning to social media and they're turning to uh, web to to make those visions come to life. So, boy, do when you have your um, uh, fashion week, do the TV stations come? Uh, we, do get, we do usually do some. Um, you know, we'll go to the actual TV studio and usually sometimes bring some models that are styled, previewing some looks, and then they'll talk about it in advance. Um, I think maybe a couple times they've they've come and actually shot, but usually it's more of a preview. Uh, can a model make a living as a model in the Twin Cities? Not as a runway model. <laughs> as a commercial model, you, you could make a living as, in the Twin Cities as a commercial model. Oh, doing doing commercials but not just showing off um, clothes. Commercial model meaning uh, more you know, advertisements, right. less fashion focused, less edgy, more you know this more, more, more relatable. Sort sell of everyday. the shirt. <laughs> yes, um, we definitely have uh, you know that industry here. Um, oh. But to be like a you know, runway model, you're, you're not necessarily making the, the big money doing that, but that's sort of usually the, the fun thing you're doing and a way to get your name out there and a way to get experience. Okay, well, so. there's, a, there's a career waiting to happen in the Twin Cities fashion model. We're here talking with uh, people that are participating in uh, the upcoming Fashion Week Minnesota in later September. The uh, co-founder, Jana Peliquin, is here with us. Also, Karen Morris, a milliner from Hong Kong. <laughs> And now maybe you'd learn how to make those Minnesota winter hats. Yes. <laughs> so doing that. And then Houston White, who was a southerner, now he's on the north side. Is that right? Yes, sir. You uh, switched around and focusing on black X. We'll be back in a moment. Synapse, think tank of the air. We'll be back in a moment. And we're back on Synapse Think Tank of the Air with uh, Jonna Peliquin, Karen Morris, and Houston White. And um, 
you know, I, I'm older than all of you. I just add all your ages together. That's probably my <laughs> age. But but uh, some of the things that I I, I mentioned that you, I dress to feel comfortable. You know, I'm one of those. But I also dress for the occasion. I'll change this. You know, I've got a tuxedo for that. I've got cutoff jeans for that. And you know, you just w- whatever fits in. But um, my wife and daughter are my fashion critics, <laughs> and they'll say. Dad, you're not going to wear those socks. Everybody wears these cutoff socks now. And it's like, you know, you do something for so long and it's just so normal, but yet you, you, you don't fit into the world anymore. What what am I supposed to do? I always say, do you. <laughs> Be myself. Well, Whatever feels comfortable. I'm, uh, I'm going to get one of those your T-shirts. Well, that's fashion, right? It's, it's what feels comfortable. Um, and there's many roles to play in the fashion industry. Some folks are... Very good behind the scenes. Uh, they're stylists. Um, it's kind of like one of my favorite hip hop groups, Nerd. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pharrell is very much so out front, but one of the most important parts of that group is, you know, Chad, the, the his partner. Very few people know who he is, but you know that's fashion. Where you might have someone who's a brilliant sketch artist and has probably zero fashion sense, but they hmm. can visualize things. So mm-hmm. I always say, just do you play your position. Hmm. And we all have a little bit of style, hmm. albeit, you know. Okay, I'll tell him that. Tell him that. <laughs> tell him that. Tell any any advice from you, uh, Yeah, I Karen? agree with Houston, uh, you know, um, because to be honest, I, I, I'm I a designer, but uh, I don't dress up quite often because I just want to make myself feel comfy, especially when I make the hat. I have a, I mean, I need to have a lot of uh, action, you know, and uh, different kind of posture to make the hacks. So I want to just uh, comfy. You have to be flexible. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, you can dress up very nice uh, and follow the trend, but um, but when you go out, you don't feel comfy and you walk weirdly, people just laugh at you, you know. People don't think you are fashionable or, or anything, you know. So just be be comfy, be yourself. So, so it's not merely the clothing itself. It's how you feel in it and how you exude uh, yourself in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. Hmm. Totally. Any any advice from you, Jana? Do you do you walk down the street and say, "Oh, that's the ugliest outfit I ever saw"? Are you a critical fashion person? Oh, you know, once in a while something will catch my eye that's really horrible, and I'll I'll notice it. But for the most part, I I just notice when people are wearing something interesting and cool. And I, th- I don't know, sometimes I think bad taste is better than no taste. You know, <laughs> I think if something catches my eye, I think, why well, did that catch my eye? And that's interesting. But I do think, um, you know, you can definitely tell when someone is not comfortable and they are not confident with what they're wearing. It's It stands out for the wrong reasons. And mm. I, I say, wear what makes you comfortable. You know, I've I've done some personal styling for people in the past. And, you know, you, you sort of look at well, what do they wear? What are they comfortable in? What are they attracted to? And then how do I just elevate that a little bit and kind of push them a little bit out of their comfort zone? Um, but you never want to put someone in clothes that are just not them because mm. they won't ever feel comfortable. They won't feel good about themselves in that. Mm. So I think that's the most important thing. And I'm not judgmental about, you know, people and how they, how they, how they dress. You know, everyone's just, you have to get through your day and be comfortable doing what you need to do. So, mm. Boy, uh, some of it's superficial. The, uh, I remember when I was a kid, uh, somehow uh, in our neighborhood, there, it was very fashion conscious, but in a ra- rather shallow way. It's mm-hmm. like, 
this is in. Right. So you've got to do that, otherwise you're out. And so I think in in uh, in those days it was uh, button down shirts. You had to have a button down shirt, and there was a little loop in the back. You had a shirt that didn't have a loop. Oh, you weren't in. And so it's not that you were expressing yourself. You're just trying to to uh, portray what some ideal that somebody invented. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be in style, and you don't want to fall out of style just to be cool. Yeah. But then I look at it. It's not very cool to just try to follow the template. It just they just because um you know when you have a lot of fans besides you, that inference will put you uh dress up just like them you know and in their mind just oh this this should be normal if you don't follow this trend you're not normal right yeah so yeah that's why you see a lot of people walking along the street wearing the same thing even though you know you're, they're not twins or mother daughter trying to look the same but they just tend to buy the same kind of stuff yeah i think what's interesting now at this time we're in i feel like so many things are in style there's so many you know trends quote unquote it's but things aren't really going out of style. It's like that thing that we were wearing five years ago is still cool. You know, there's not, you know, it's bohemian, it's minimal, it's all over the place. And, you know, there's, it's, you know, a lot of sportswear influences, but there's still like glam going on. There's all kinds of things. So it's sort of hard to be out of style if you're doing something that, you know, if you're, if you're wearing something and you like it, I think you can just own that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's about authenticity, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, authenticity it's, is in style. It, yeah, you know? <laughs> it, it is. It, it's not. I'm feeling pretty authentic today. <laughs> it's not necessarily what you wear; it's how you wear it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is about personal confidence. If you're mm-hmm. confident, and the outfit could be completely hideous to someone else, but they feel your confidence, mm. <laughs> and and they could grow to be <laughs> persuaded otherwise. Like I didn't like that at all, but you just you're rocking it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can you can have a, a jersey, <laughs> your sports jersey, be fashionable, right? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, then, you know the the models. That's that's a stereotype. The model is like uh, some super skinny person that might be beautiful, um, but not how most people look. So, how do you idealize a garment on a runway, knowing that it won't look that way with a normal person on the street? I I think that there's a lot more. Um, body diversity, racial diversity happening in, in age diversity happening within the fashion industry well, right now. It's and I changing. Hope, I hope that that continues. So I'm using an old stereotype. I mean, it's, it's still maybe the mainstream, but I think it's more and more you're seeing brands use models of different sizes on the runway and different, you know, colors of the skin and even like older models you're seeing. And, um, it, more than ever before and I think that's a promising because I think people do you know I think they're realizing people want to see people that look like them wearing the clothing you know and say well I can wear that like I can relate to that I can picture myself in that I know you're seeing more uh, in the advertising world more large sizes than before it's becoming a thing right because many people are are, 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 are uh, in the larger size area right they're very very tiny percentage of people that are a size zero in <laughs> And a five so, foot nine. So. Is that really oh, yeah. a size zero they wear? Zero. The the tr- traditional models on the runway. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, that's like nothing. Yeah, I, mean, it, I always, for me personally, I, I like to create things that I can imagine my wife or my sister, um, or my unborn daughter wearing one day. Um, 
it, it is important that the models, our last time on the runway was during Black Fashion Week, and we had a model, um, our first model up was has, has been in the industry for quite some time, and she was referred to as a mature model. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in her 40s, uh, but still beautiful, um, but didn't fit the traditional mold, but absolutely works the runway. Mm. Um, so you know, I think it's important to put people on the runway that reflect the reality of most of the population. Hmm. Um, nothing against, I mean, the bold, high, traditional, you know, very thin, that can be, that's fun too to see at times, but it shouldn't be just that one standard. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so I agree. And um, sometimes when they create the hacks, um, it also depends on the style of the porters. And I create something, wide brim is, I mean, they meant to uh, uh, go to maybe higher age uh, women to wear, you know. And when you find a model uh, like, uh, what, uh, 20 years old, you just feel the, the feeling not really compatible, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I now I use uh, any, like, uh, skin any skin color or you you tall or short or or I mean whatever age you know to wear my hacks as a model. Hmm. So it changes. I had a kind of a realization. Now this is back back in the eighties. I had a couple years in a row where I was able to spend some time in Paris, and then some time in Montreal. And um, the thing that I noticed now Montreal. Uh, they have like a couple streets that are kind of like Paris, you know, full of all these cafes and stuff. And so then I, I hung around there. And what I noticed was in Montreal, everybody was really trying to be cool, wearing new fashionable clothes and looking very sharp. But in Paris, sometimes it could be, you could tell it was older clothes, but then just the way they had a scarf. The, they had style. So it's like there was greater authenticity, even with the old clothes, just making do with what you had rather than just getting all new stuff and strutting around the cafes. So. Yeah, I think so, because that's why there's a lot of book uh, to show you how the French woman uh, dress, mm-hmm. you know, because they don't they don't buy, I mean, no, I mean, I would say they will use all the uh, existing clothing, just dress up, maybe just, as you, as you say, a scarf or a jacket or just roll up the the sleeve, you know. And you can create a very sharp, uh, beautiful uh, appearance already. So, yeah. So I think I think we only need to buy every. I mean, every time you need to buy the new thing to make yourself sharp, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can make just make use what you have. Hmm. I think yeah. it's more stylish to look like you know to not look like you're trying too hard, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it came off as. Mm-hmm. You know, these people are so shiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something's a little not na- natural, not natural. Yeah, it's kind of like the red wing boots. You know, the more you wear them, the more mm-hmm. worn, the better they get. Um, and you see guys just riding their bikes with those red wings and the jeans rolled up. To me, that's a fashion spread. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, it's like a lifestyle spread, you know, because these clothes should be meant to be lived in. And some things um, that are worn. I, I noticed a woman at um, Ikea a couple of weeks ago. She had some penny loafers on. And 
I had been looking for loafers forever, but she had the the you the, the what I say the real ones. Mm. And I um she inspired me to go home and get online and I ordered some. But she said she had them for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And they look fantastic, so. Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's good about having a classic fashion that that's always good. Mm-hmm. And then um and then still seeming fresh. Yeah. The versus some fashions that look so old that that they're they're done. You know what I mean? It's like it's never going to be cool again in its life. Mm-hmm. And you think of anything like that? Like, what do they have? The culottes or some sort mm-hmm. of. Uh... Yeah, I think part of the reason that I'm really passionate about local fashion and supporting it is a lot of these pieces, they are made really well. They're made to last mm-hmm. years. They're not about this quick trend. It's really about, you know, really timeless pieces that you can have in your closet and it's for years and it's worth spending the money on because like you said you could have something for 25 years and it's still holding shape it's still together it's not just a trend it's not made with poor materials so you know you're spending a little bit more but you're able to keep that for decades maybe hmm. is there much do-it-yourself fashion in, in the twin cities people making their own clothes just to wear for themselves or or is it mainly maybe in like the the punk scene you know the, the underground scene? i don't know yeah, you know, so a, a lot of the African designers, mm-hmm. yeah, I see yeah. a lot. Um, there, there are a few, but it's very time-consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to make garments from head to toe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you might take something and kind of customize it. Sure. I, I see a little bit of that, you know. Oh. And I, you know, I think some of us like I have very basic skills with the sewing machine, but I could, you know, I could do a little bit of something to kind of tweak the fit or mm. customize it and make it feel a little special or unique, mm. but. And there's some up-and-coming, you know, uh, manufacturers here in the cities. One of them, I um, uh, went to a class, Clothier Design Source. Mm-hmm. They're fantastic. I mean, you know, they are making things here in the Twin Cities. So, obviously, it's more of a mass production, but they're a limited-run manufacturer, kind of in the 250 range, which is very small for manufacturing. Mm-hmm. But they make, you know, quality goods. Um, but part of that formula, then, is that it's each one's more expensive to sell, right? The, the bigger the run, the cheaper it gets? Sure, sure. Which is why a lot of folks are manufacturing overseas. Um, do either of you do that, get a template and have it made in China, for example, where it might be cheaper to produce, or at least before the tariffs? <laughs> well, you know, um, I think uh, because actually my background also uh, on merchandising, you know, so I have a lot of uh, experience to uh, deal with the Chinese factory. But uh, to be honest, uh, what you make, you know, what you make and you send to the uh, China to make it, you can see a big difference. It doesn't you know? come back the way you wanted it. Uh you know, I can tell you they can copy very well. You can't see the you can't see the difference. But the materials they use, mm. or um, it's just lot. You don't feel like uh, got a unique point. You know, that's what uh, all the design wants to bring out through their fashion. You know, you mm. need to get your product you need. But in China, just, uh, yeah, just factory. You can mm. you can tell. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, we're, we're running out of time here. I just want to talk about the future. Is there is there such a thing as trends anymore that kind of hit all areas of fashion? Or is it so diverse that it, it really, uh, you really can't say? So the question is, is there a trend coming up that you foresee? Uh, 
also maybe Jenna. I mean, think you're the that. writer. I just you, think I think we're moving in this more global, um, you know, realm with you know help thanks to social media and many things like that. And I think a lot of different styles of fashion are being influenced by each other. There's a lot of cross pollination. You know, you're seeing sportswear being brought into like couture, and you know, you're seeing sportswear brands embracing elements of fashion, you know, more high fashion. So I, I think there's just like a lot of cross-pollination, a lot of collaboration, a lot of various influences, very, um, you know, a, taking a little bit of this culture and a little bit of this and a little bit of this and putting it together into something new. I That's think. like what's happening in food. Yeah. Yeah, so. totally. I mean, it, it, that John made a very good point because I see it. Collaboration. I collaborate a lot with artists. We do something called smart collections and it's, showcasing multicultural art through fashion. And it's something as simple as either a jean jacket or say overalls or a leather coat. We take and we have an artist paint an original piece on it. But in a t-shirt, since we'll mass produce maybe 50 and then the artist will sell the actual um, original. And so it's just a unique way for folks to participate in art and fashion and mesh them up. And, and that's what I see a lot of out-of-the-box thinking, like what is couture, what is high fashion, what is sportswear, mm-hmm. kind of re in this mode of redefinition. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. It's a really fun time to be um, in this industry. Hmm. Sounds wide open. Any any final comments there, uh, Well, Karen? I think, yeah, I, I agree with uh, Houston and Jenna, too. Um, I think more uh, collaboration uh, is the trend, you know. And right now in my uh, upcoming uh, fashion event, fashion show in um, Fashion Week, uh, I also work with different designer to uh, put their uh, dress elements to my hat as well. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we're about out of time, but where can people go to find out more about Fashion Week and to make reservations to go see all these creations? Yeah. Uh, the calendar is listed at uh, fashionweekmn.com, and you can buy all- tickets to all the events. Uh, some of the events, I know your event is unticketed free Houston. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's some, a couple of free events, but there's also ticketed events as well. And, you know, all these producers, people that are putting on these shows are usually the designers, uh, the brand owners that are making this happen with, you know, they're trying to get, uh, get it together with limited resources. So buying a ticket to these events helps support what they're doing and their businesses as well. So get out there and buy those tickets. And they won't make fun of me if I show up wearing those socks that my wife hates. Like, like, <laughs> They'll just assume you're making a personal style statement. Okay. So. Just <laughs> go there. Just You'll be, start a trend. Just be confident when you go. You will be the unique one. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. Talking with Jonna Pelliquin, Karen Morris, and Houston White. And buy all of their things. Wear some new hats and T-shirts uh, uh, in the upcoming year. Uh, that's it for this edition of Synapse Think Tank of the Air. I'd like to thank Dan Colhane, our producer du jour. Thank you for listening to Synapse. Think Tank of the Air. I'm Leo Espinosa. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. 
The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.